On the latest edition of the Unrivaled Podcast, we visit with one of the most inspirational and powerful players in Penn State's history. Before we get to that, we have to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by GoPSUSports.com, the official sponsor of the Unrivaled Podcast. The alarm clock goes off in the morning. Are you going to hit the snooze button or are you going to get up and attack the deck? Compete in everything you do. Unrivaled, the official podcast of Penn State football. Let's dominate. Here's your host, Mitch Gerber. Adam Telefero, our latest guest on the Unrivaled podcast, as he joins us fresh out of the tunnel here at Beaver Stadium. We're sitting in the locker room doing our first in-person interview in months. So, Adam, appreciate you taking the time today to join us. But you just came off the field. You walked through one of the most iconic tunnels in all of college football, where one of the most iconic moments has taken place with yourself. What was it like being back in there today? First off, Mitch, I uh, really appreciate you having me. It's, it's an honor to be here with you. But just being back out there in the tunnel just brings back so many memories. You know, I got injured 20 years ago this year. You know, this year, uh, September 23rd, 2000 was my injury. So coming back here, you know, I've been able to come back for games. But being out there in the tunnel, they, they, they had me in a jersey. I had a 43 jersey on. So got the juices flowing a little bit. What goes through your head every time you step in that tunnel? You know, the, the first memory is when I, you know, my first game as a freshman. Uh, coming out of the tunnel and, and wearing that uniform. And I remember looking down at my uniform and, like, looking out at all the fans. I'm like, holy crap. Like, I'm playing at Penn State. Like, it was the best feeling ever. And then the, the second memory comes back was when after my injury and I came back to lead the team out the tunnel. And, you know, my, my football career was over, but that was my moment to show everybody that I was okay. And we were playing Miami. It was a night game. And I remember being so nervous because at that time, I hadn't been walking that long. I was still walking with crutches. And, you know, it was a nationally televised game. I'm like, please, Adam, just don't trip coming out this tunnel. And that was my biggest thing, like, don't trip. And, uh, you know, I never heard the stadium that loud. And something went through me to let me run, kind of skip and, and, and run out. And it was, uh, you know, I have two kids, you know, outside of my two kids and, and, and my marriage. That was probably the, the best feeling of my entire life, being able to come out of that stadium. And, and Penn State community just, it was just, it's hard to put into words, really. Do you still get goosebumps and obviously chills and stuff like that when, when you do think about that memory and how loud it was in there? Yeah, I, I mean, I still think about it. Every, every, you know, it's funny. Every time I watch a Penn State game, a home game, and I see the players come out the, come out the tunnel, I think about the, the moment that I came out, and it, it just it makes me smile. It, it's not, it, it's not a, a sad thing. It, it gives me those goosebumps, but it just takes me back to that moment of triumph. And it's not, it wasn't just about me. It was about the entire Penn State community that pushed me from the very first day of that injury. I mean, from the first incident of my injury at Ohio State, I had Penn Staters email and send a letter saying, hey, Adam, we're with you. You're going to walk again. You're, and when you have that many people behind you, you can overcome a lot of different things. Adam, the reason that you're here with us today is because the Big Ten Network is shooting for your documentary-style episode that's going to air on the Big Ten Network later this fall. So when that does come out, what will we see? You know, the thing that is really cool about it, when they, when they first approached me probably about a year ago saying they wanted to do a documentary on my injury, I was like, you know, a lot of people, most people already know about my injury. It's been told so many times. People are probably tired of hearing about my story. But the way that they're looking at it is it's not going to be a lot of me in it. It's going to be a lot of the people that were 
part of the recovery. So, you know, they're interviewing my, my surgeon and my physical therapist, so many people that were behind the scenes that really made my story what it is today. So that's why I'm excited about it because a lot of people know, you know, I've heard about me and my story, but they don't know about the people that really helped me get to where I am today. And that's what this whole documentary is about is them telling the story from their perspective. So uh, I'm really excited about it. Had no idea how much filming goes into a one hour episode. We've been filming all summer. They, they've been all over the place interviewing people. So uh, I'm honored because they could be doing so many different stories and for them to pick mine is, uh, is pretty cool. Those testimonies that you were talking about with people that are featured in this episode outside of yourself, whether it's a doctor, a friend, a family member, whoever it is, how much are you looking forward to seeing what they have to say about your story? Uh, you know, I'm so excited about it because I, as I thought about it, I'm like, you know, I never really like talked to a lot of people about the, the injuries and what they were thinking at that time. And, and a lot of the stuff, it's been 20 years. And when I was going through the injury, I was so focused on just walking again. I don't remember a lot of the conversations. And of course, I remember, you know, my parents and my brother being there. But outside of that, I just remember just being with my therapist every day and being so enthralled and trying to recover that life around me, I wasn't really paying too much attention to. So I'm really excited to see what folks that were part of my life at that time were, were thinking, how they were feeling, you know, some of the things, some of the stories they told that I heard about, like I had no idea. It's been 20 years. I had no idea that story even existed. So, uh, and some of the pictures and some of the videos that, I, that I'm uh, seeing that are going to be part of the documentary are, are pretty cool. Everybody knows about the injury. Everybody knows about the story. But when it comes to your personal side of things, what did you learn going through all that that led up to today? You know, the, the thing that really I tell people all the time was I started playing football at the age of five. And my goal and dream from day one was I wanted to play professional football. I grew up in South Jersey. I wanted to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. And when I got this, you know, my, my, my junior year in high school, I committed to Penn State, and I just thought, I'm on my way. Like, I, I got here to Penn State. I was playing as a freshman, and the injury happens. And when that happened, I, 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 I tell people all the time, I thought my life was over because football was everything to me. But when I went through that injury and, and I started to really take a step back and realize how many people are, are really supporting you. I mean, this Penn State community, they, we, we love our football, but they truly care about you as, as a person and wanting to see you succeed, not only on the football field, but off the football field. And that's what means the world to me. When I got back to Penn State after my injury, so many people were like, how can we help you? What do you want to do in life? Do you want to go to, you know, you know at that time, you know, Coach Paterno was like, you know, do you want to go to law school? I'll write, all your, I'll, I'll write your letters of recommendation. People in the professional, you know, lawyers and doctors, and so many Penn State alums, Adam, what can we do to, to help you? And it really, when you hear we are Penn State, I saw it firsthand, like we really are. Like these people were rallying around me to help me succeed in life. And that, it opened up my eyes because I always, as a player, heard the we are Penn State chant. But when I went through my toughest of times, I saw like that's a real thing. Like that's a real, real thing. Even 20 years later to this day, you know, think about me. I, I got injured 20 years ago. Uh, you know, Coach Franklin the whole Penn State community still has me come back and speak to the team. And I still feel like as close to the Penn State community as, as I was when I was here as a, as a student athlete. So I, I tell people, especially kids that are in high school that are being recruited, I say, you know, when you go to Penn State, it's not just a four or five year deal. It's, it's lifetime. Like you're part of that family for life, whether you play football or if you just graduate from here, it's a true family, which I think makes this place really unique. What is your relationship like with Coach Franklin? Oh, it's, it's awesome. I, tell, I say, 
I was on I was on the board of trustees when you know the decision was made to hire Coach Franklin, and I remember he came to a board of trustees meeting, and he said, "Hey, he's like, hey, what's up, Adam? I I had no idea he even knew my first name, and the way that he treated me from day one, like we had known each other for years, was like, man, this guy is like he's special, man. Like he's he's just different from from you know anyone I ever met because I I literally just met him, we exchanged phone numbers that night. He texted me, hey, great to meet you. Let's stay in contact." He always say, you know, when you meet people, uh, you know, they're just kind of being nice. But he really meant it. Like, he would text me, like, once a month. Hey, Adam, just checking in. What's going on? Hey, Adam, I got a question about this. And we've just developed a relationship over his time here. It's just like, I feel like at times, like, I, I was one of his players. And you could talk to a lot of guys that played here, uh, you know, under Coach Paterno, who, you know, all of us, you know, Coach Paterno, that's, that's my heart right there. And we're just so thankful that, that Coach Franklin has – embrace all of us that played here before and, and really truly treats us like family like he'll say you know Adam I, I haven't heard from you in a while where you at man and he's like man he's got his own team he's got his own players he's got so much going on for him to actually you know think about us and guys that have played here before it's like man this guy like we want to go to bat for him like you know if, if anyone's saying bad, anything bad about coach Franklin about Penn State football it's like hey you talking about our, our, our guy and uh I'm just thankful that, you know, everything that he's brought to this, 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 this program, everything that, you know, the program has gone through to see where it's at right now. It's just like, man, Coach, he, he's, he's uh, again, another hard to put into words, man. I'm just so proud to, to call him our coach. Now, you spoke to this Penn State football program this past offseason and delivered a, a pretty powerful message to them during a time of adversity. But what was your message to the program? You know, my, my biggest thing was – you know, talking to the guys, they're like, hey, it's tough going through this COVID stuff and, you know, a lot of uncertainty around the season. But the biggest thing I, I tried to stress to the guys was cherishing each and every day. I, I remember when I was here at Penn State, there was times where I'd be like, you know, I just can't wait to graduate and start making money and, and, and get out into the real world. And then the day after I graduated, I remember the first time, I, you know, I went to law school and I ended up working at a law firm in Philadelphia and I walked into the law office, and I, I remember sitting there. I'm like, wow, like, I'm really working now. I wish I was back at Penn State. <laughs> and it, and I, I didn't, like, I felt like there were times that I took for granted while I was a student athlete here. And, and if you talk to so many people that played here or even people that just went to Penn State, they, they all say, man, I wish I could go back. And I wanted to tell those guys that, you know, hey, these are tough times right now, but appreciate every day. You're at Penn State. You know how many people wish they could be at Penn State and also playing football? Like, that's special, man. And when I was playing here, I didn't, I didn't really understand how special it is to, to, to play football at Penn State. It's, it's such a unique opportunity, and you got to embrace it. Like, coming into the football building, sitting in the locker room, like, just take a step back every once in a while and look at it. Like, playing at Penn State, man. Like, this is it's awesome. And it's easy for me to say it, but when you're, when you're in it, you, you kind of just get used to it. I say I, I want those guys to know, like, never, get, never get used to it, man. And enjoy every day of these four or five years that you're at Penn State. How did you see some of those younger guys in that Zoom meeting embrace your message? It was, you know, the thing, I was a little, I was a little nervous because, you know, when you're talking, you're on Zoom, you can, like, see everybody, and you're worried about guys, you know, not paying attention. But I was so surprised that like you know every, I felt like everyone kind of had their eyes on me everyone you know some, some guys were shaking their head and for me it's like you know I remember when I was at Penn State we would have you know Coach Paterno would have guys that played here come back and speak and it was cool to, to hear their perspective because 
you know, things changed over generations. You, he would have guys from the 70s and 80s and 90s. I was here in 2000. He would talk to us. And now here I am 20 years out. These guys got so many different other issues and things they have to deal with as, as players during these times. So it's a, it was really a cool opportunity. And the biggest thing is, as, as a, you know, I'm 38 years old now. Like, man, these guys look young. <laughs> I, I sometimes forget, you know, these guys got helmets on. But when you actually see their faces, man, they look, they look young. So uh, definitely made me feel a little bit old talking to the guys, too. <laughs> Now you told them in a in a social media video that Penn State football put out on their account to take advantage of the Penn State network. Yeah. What did you mean by that? You know, the, the thing that I, I I tell anybody that either graduated from Penn State is certainly when you play is to take advantage of it because there's not a Penn State alum out there that's not going to take your email or, or take your phone call if you say, hey, you know what, you know, I, I play here at Penn State and I'm interested in getting into the line of work that you're in. I would love just to pick your brain for 20 minutes. You, there's not a person out there that won't call you back and give you that time. And that's priceless because some of these, uh, I won't say same, a lot of Penn, there's a lot of successful Penn State alums out there. And if you can uh, get to know them, that can set you up for, for life after getting out of here. Hey, as a, as a football player, we all want to play in the NFL. But unfortunately, if you look at the numbers, not everyone's going to play in the NFL. So you've got to prepare yourself for life after football and being able to create relationships with, with, with Penn State alums in positions where they're successful, that they can help you succeed in whatever field it is, you know, whether it's law or, you know, whatever it is, there's a Penn Stater out there doing it. So that's why I, I urge the, the players to take advantage of that opportunity. There were so many times when I got out of law school, I went to Rutgers Law School, but when I was going on my job interviews, they saw Penn State, they wanted to talk about Hey, what it was like? What was it like to play football at Penn State? That's like eighty percent of my interviews started out with, "Hey, can you tell me what it was like to play football at Penn State?" And I said, "That's that's like so cool because you know you're nervous as heck going into an, an interview. But when that person wants to talk about Penn State, that breaks the ice, and now it's your opportunity to really let them know, hey, it was great to play football at Penn State, but let me tell you about myself and what I could bring to your company, and that I'm more than just a, a football player. And that's you know, Penn State, we create student athletes and." Uh, it's a, it's a recipe for success. Adam, when you wake up every single day then, what drives you? My biggest driver and inspiration now is, I, you know, I got two kids now. I have a five-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. And my goal each and every day is to do everything I can within my power to make sure that they're, they're, going, to, that they're going to be good. You know, make sure that they're taken care of and everything that I'm doing is to set them up for the future. So if, if, you know, if I'm tired and going to work, I think about them and wanting them to be all good. And for me personally, I look back and I always say, you know, my life could be a lot different right now. I could, I, you know, I could have died from my injury. I could have been in a wheelchair. So if there's days that I'm slacking or not wanting to get out, get out of bed, I think about all those patients in the hospital that, that wish that they can get up on their own two feet and walk. Like how selfish is it of me to not want to get up when there's so many other people throughout this entire country that each and every day are working to be able to get up out of bed because I, I'm blessed. You know, you look at my injury compared to someone who's still in a wheelchair, you can't really tell the difference. But I was blessed to have been here at Penn State where we had great Dr. Sebastianelli, who was there right on the field, stopped me from moving, the Ohio State medical staff. They saved me. So I got to take advantage of the opportunities 
that I've been given, you know, 20 years ago. How do you wake up every morning not putting in your mindset that, hey, I'm a victim of this. I'm a victim of not being able to, to walk fully. I'm a, I'm a victim of maybe I should be in a wheelchair. Maybe I shouldn't be alive right now. But how do you flip the mindset to wake up every day and say, hey, I have an opportunity? So that's a great question. I had that, that victim mentality when I first got back to Penn State. After, you know, I, I went through my injury. Uh, I, was, I was in rehab for eight months. I got injured, you know, September 2000. Came back here in May of 2000 to start back up as, you know, as a Penn State student again. But I remember coming back up here and uh, walking into the locker room, and I saw, like, you know, guys get ready to go, uh, go work out. And I looked at my locker. And there was no helmet in there. There was no equipment. And I was like, man, this, this stinks. Like, um, I can't play football anymore. I started, like, for, like, a couple weeks there, just felt down. Like, I can't believe out of all the players that played at Penn State football, I'm the only freaking person that has got paralyzed and can't play anymore. And I was like, man, this, this is horrible. But then after a while, I started thinking about my time at McGee. McGee was where I did my rehab for eight months. And I started thinking about all the people I met when I was there, people that were on breathing tubes that couldn't breathe on their own, people that were literally paralyzed from the neck down and couldn't move anything, needed people to feed them, couldn't do anything except basically nod their head. And I'm sitting here, I'm at Penn State, sitting here, back to school, I'm walking, and I was like, man, you are like selfish as hell. If you're worried about playing football, you're lucky. You're lucky to be where you're at right now. You're walking. Like, that should be good enough. And, and that's the mindset I took from that, from that time, even to this day, like, I'm blessed. Like, there's no longer days where I have bad days. There's certainly days that are better than others, but I can't say I have bad days anymore because, <laughs> again, I keep saying, I keep harkening back to the, the fact that my life could be tremendously different right now. My life could have been gone. So for me, I take every day, uh, you know, people, if someone cuts me off on the road, Hey, you, you got it. I, I don't get mad about little things anymore. I don't stress little things. I just, I, I'm happy. I, I, I can't complain uh, because I've been given a lot over these last 20 years. When you walked back in this locker room for the first time wearing Penn State swag instead of their jersey, what were your thoughts? For me, a lot of it was, you know, what could have been because – as I mentioned earlier, when I got here, um, had an opportunity to play as a freshman, and I just thought, like, there was, you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to have at least an opportunity to play in the NFL. And when I remember being in, in the locker room and looking at everybody with their jerseys on, and I'm just in, you know, sweats, I just felt like I, I lost a huge opportunity. Like, and it, it, even 20 years later, it still kind of like pains me like, man, I wish I could have just seen what could have been because I got injured the fifth game of my freshman year. So I never really had a true opportunity to see how successful or, or unsuccessful I would have been playing corner uh, here at Penn State or, or maybe in the NFL. And I look back at that time, you know, Bal Jew, who was a corner on our team at that time, and, and Brian Scott and Rich Gardner. Me and Rich Gardner were playing second team at that time. Every one of our guys in our secondary 
at least had the opportunity, got drafted, had an opportunity to play in the NFL. And that was my dream from the age of five. And that dream never, those dreams don't go away. So that was my biggest thing, just sitting there like, darn. And even when I couldn't play anymore, just standing on the sideline, watching, like in my mind, mentally thinking, oh man, I, I think I may have been able to make that play. But your, your body, you know, physically, I, 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 I'm like, I, I limp around just trying to walk. So it's, it's, it's such a, uh, uh, like a yin and yang in my head because I often think, you know, I'm 38 now and Cam Wake, who uh, I think was the last remaining guy from my recruiting class that was still playing in the NFL. I don't think he's playing. I think last year was his last year. But uh, I'll just think what could have been. That's the one thing that always kind of sticks in my mind. I don't think sometimes people understand. Back then, being a freshman and playing, that wasn't necessarily a thing, right? Uh, uh, you know, Coach Paterno wasn't too, too thrilled on playing freshman, which he, I remember he often would say, like, if you got to rely on freshmen – to, to play and to win a game, uh, you, your team's probably not that good. And um, that was one of the things that drew me to Penn State when I was being recruited because I was one of those freshmen, you know, I guess like a lot of freshmen. I, was, I don't know if cocky was the right word, but I was like, I didn't want a red shirt. Like, I wanted to come, go to a, a program where I was going to get an opportunity to, to play early. And um, it came down between Penn State and Tennessee. And I committed to Penn State early, like beginning of my junior year. And then Tennessee was like, hey, if you come, not only may play, you may have an opportunity to you know, start or play in our nickel and dime package. So I took a visit there and I was like, Tennessee may be the place for me, but I still thank God for my parents because my parents are big. Uh, they loved Penn State, Coach Paterno, and I ended up coming here and they you know, got an opportunity to play early. And my, my first scrimmage here um, at Beaver Stadium, I broke my thumb. So I had a cast, I tore ligaments in my thumb. So Dr. Sebastianelli, got me right, did surgery, and I was back out playing, but I had this cast on, and I was kind of limited because you're playing with one arm. And then I got my cast off, and the first game I had it off for was for the Ohio State game. So I was excited. I was like, you know, they finally got, like, both my hands back. I want to be able to hopefully, you know, contribute a little bit more. And then, uh, you know, the injury happened. So I always say I was never healthy my entire football career at Penn State because I had the, the, the torn ligaments in my thumb, and then as soon as that gets healed up, I had the big one happen with the uh, spinal cord injury. So uh, I, I got my money's worth out of the uh, Dr. Sebastianelli and the, the, the training staff here at Penn State. Man, what a ride. Uh, a couple more things for you. I want to transition gears. Obviously, you, you served public office in this country. And so knowing that this is a, a, an important election coming up, as is every election, but this one especially, when somebody says that their vote does not matter, what's your rebuttal to them? I, I tell people all, all the time, I was, I was one of those. I remember when I was at Penn State, I was like, you know, before, when I became of age to vote, I was like, ah, I don't have to go home to vote or do absentee ballots or mail-in voting. Like, what's, what's one vote going to count for? And then after I got out of law school, I started to gain an interest in, in public service, and I had the opportunity to um, run for, well, here in PA, they call them county commissioners. In, uh, in, in New Jersey, they call them freeholders. I decided to run for the, the freeholder, um, for a seat on a freeholder board. And the first attack ad against me was, you want to vote for this guy? Someone who's never voted in an election before, this is the person you want to vote for? And it kind of hit home for me, like, dang, like, dang on, like, 
they're attacking me because I never voted. And I, and I sat back and I had to like kind of look inward and look at myself and say like, you're running for a public office, but you didn't vote when you first had the opportunity to. And I, I felt silly because uh, people actually, you know, people died for the opportunity for, 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 for some of us to vote. And it's one of the most powerful tools you have to make a change. You know, you could talk to your, your family and talk to your friends about you don't like this or you wish things would change. That's all good and well, but the only way it's going to change is if you actually use your power to vote. And, and the, the men and women in office, are, if you vote them in or vote them out, you can get your person in there. So I tell people all the time, like, don't take it for granted at all. Like, your right to vote is one of the most powerful tools that you'll ever have in your life. doesn't matter how much money you have, uh, your status in life, everyone has that one vote. And it's the, the great equalizer and allowing you to put someone in office that shares your views. And uh, hopefully if, a lot, if enough people feel that same way, uh, that person will get in office and be able to represent you to, uh, to the best of their ability. If you're sitting here and you're telling me, hey, this is where I gain my information from. This is where I try to, to pick up on this side or that side or this person, that person. Where do you go to get that information? Uh, that, that's a great, great question because I, I've been in public office uh, at the state level. I've been in the legislature for five years. And I often ask myself that same question because, you know, the, the, the rise of social media with, with Twitter and, and Facebook, there's a lot of uh, people that, I don't want to say, I don't know if pretend is the right word, but uh, act as if they have the, the answers to every issue in the world. And if you watch CNN, you watch Fox, you get totally different viewpoints. But, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, I like to watch, you know, CNN, and then I like, I like to watch Fox to see, you know, what, what both sides are saying. And then I kind of formulate my own opinion by, by hearing both sides of those because, uh, you know, it's, it's been kind of tough to see how partisan uh, the world has become. And the one thing that I tell people when I'm serving in public office is, hey, I played football my whole life. And when I was playing football, I didn't know if my teammates were Republicans or Democrats or independents. I just knew one thing. We were all pushing in the same direction. And that's how I, I take that same mentality into my work in public service. Like, I, you know, I serve as a Democrat. But I could care less if if the person I'm working with is a Republican or Democrat, hey, if, if, you, if you got the same passion and, and motivation to help people, uh, let's work together. Like, I, that's the thing that's really, I, I, wish, I wish all public officials had the opportunity to play sports. I know a lot of them have, but if you play sports, all that partisan stuff goes out the window because you know what it's like to, 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 to work out and, and grind each and every day with, with, with your brothers and sisters on, on your team. Like, all you want to do is win. And I, I wish, you know, our, our public officials kind of had that same mindset. Like, all we want to do is what's best for the country. It doesn't matter where the ideas come from. And I know it sounds somewhat naive to say that, but I think if, if we took more of a sports mentality, things could potentially be a little bit different. With that said, there are people out there that will say, Adam, shut up and stick to politics. Adam, shut up and stick to football, right? So when a team or a program or an athlete speaks out, whether it's on social injustice issues, voting, whatever it is, why is it important for them to have that message beyond being the athlete? I, I think it's, it's super important 
for, for a couple of reasons. I think the first one is something we just spoke about. We, we, you know, athletes in, in America have a lot of influence over young people. So if you see an you know, athlete that you look up to saying, hey, you need to vote, here's why, that's going to spur these, these young people to realize, like, hey, you know, Saquon Barkley is voting. I like him. Like, he, he does things the right way. I'm going to vote, too. LeBron James, like, those, those and it, it, these people have such influence on uh, how, how young people outlook on life. So I think it's, it's so important for our, 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 our athletes to, to really be out there. And, and I don't say – I always say they don't have to tell you how to vote. You know, it's, 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 it's up to that individual to decide how they want to uh, vote or who to vote for. But please exercise that vote. So I, it's been really neat to see uh, athletes stand up, not only for voting, but as you mentioned earlier, for, for, social, for social justice. Because, uh, you know, it's things that we've talked about for, and heard about for, for many, many years, but there hasn't been a lot of action. But I think this has been, at least in my lifetime, uh, the first time I've seen so many people, black, white, whatever you are, come together for a common cause. And it's so, so cool to see. It's been really... Uh, it's like it's been a breath of fresh air and for the first time feeling like, hey, we're all in the same boat on this one. This year's been wild, right? 2020 is one that I think everybody's going to be looking forward to turn the page from to, to 2021. But yeah. what is your message that you could give to them through your experience in life and dealing with adversity? The thing that I will say is, you know, going through adversity stinks. It's horrible. But the lessons that you learn going through adversity are priceless. People always ask me, they're like, hey, Adam, you know, aren't you, like, upset that you got hurt? I'm like, yeah, like, nobody ever wants to have a career-ending injury. But the, the, the lessons that I learned going through that have, like, changed me as a person. Adversity teaches you a lot about yourself. It's, it's, it's about, like, you know, how you react to it. It's, you know, we're all going to go through some kind of adversities. There's different levels of adversity, of course, but we're all going to go through different things in our lives that, that challenge us. But the one thing, the most important thing that I learned going through adversity is that you need people. You can't get through life. You can't get through any adversity on your own. When I was playing football, I always thought, you know, whatever comes my way, I can get through it by myself. Like, you know, I got the Penn State, you know. I can get through it, but when, when that injury hit me and when I couldn't move anything, I learned to, like, really rely on people to, to help me, like, starting with my parents, my brother, and then people outside of my family. And there's so many people out there that are willing to help you, but you just have to ask. And I, I, even to this day, I struggle with asking people for help or assistance on different things. And it's something I, I still work on, but I always challenge people to, to let them know, like, it's okay to ask for help. That's what we're all here for. I look back on my life, and especially going through that injury, and I'm still so amazed by the Penn State community. I would literally be in rehab in Philadelphia at McGee, and someone would just walk in, like a Penn Stater, and say, hey, I'm on my lunch break. I just wanted to come watch you in rehab and let you know I'm rooting for you. Or, hey... Um, I just wanted to send you this note. I was just thinking about you. You don't know like what that does for someone when it's certainly someone that you never met and they're, they're pulling for you. So I, I, I often remind people, 
If you can help somebody else, do it. Whether it's just like a phone call or a text message saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. Because you never know what the other person's going through. So yeah, I'm saying a lot, but it's, it's all about people in my life now. It's all about helping people any way I can and asking people for help when I need it. And if we can all continue to be in this thing together, we can, we can do a lot of things that we never thought we, we ever could have imagined. Well, Adam, this is the first time that you and I have met physically in person. So one, good to meet you. And your story is one that inspires, I know, all of the Penn State nation across the board. So appreciate you taking the time today to sit down with us. Oh, Mitch, it's a pleasure to meet you. Of course, I've, I feel like I've already known you because I watch all your <laughs> stuff. The thing, you've got me through a lot of COVID stuff, like a lot of the Facebook interviews you do. I was a big fan of it because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a football guy, but I'm always a fan of hoops. I, I played basketball, just couldn't shoot. So I never had an opportunity to play like beyond high school. I love when you had the, the, the basketball players on during the Facebook chat. So it's, I, I, it's a pleasure to meet you here face-to-face, but I've been a fan of all your work uh, since you've been here at Penn State. Well, I appreciate that. We'll have to get you on uh, Beyond the Numbers on Facebook Live sometime soon, all right? Nice. I look forward to it. <laughs> good snap, put down, kick is up, the kick hits the upright, no good! The Nettie Lions come up with a goal line stand! It's time for our final segment of the day called Goal Line Stand. We're going to have 30 seconds of music in the background to try to share our biggest takeaway from today's episode with Adam Telefero. I want you to do the same thing with me on Twitter, at Mitch Gerber. That's at Mitch Gerber. Share with me your biggest takeaway, and I'll try to shout you out on future episodes of the Unrivaled Podcast. My biggest takeaway from today's episode with Adam Telefero was when we were discussing being a victim versus seeking opportunity take a listen i'm sitting here i'm at penn state sitting here back to school i'm walking and i was like man you are like selfish as hell you're worried about playing football lucky you're lucky to be where you're at right now that's gonna do it for this edition of the unrivaled podcast we'll see you next time official podcast of Penn State football.